0: Father, we again thank you for your love and grace and compassion. For how you rescued us. God, thank you. Thank you. Would you stir in our hearts again? Would you fill us with the Holy Spirit as we open your word to learn from you, about you, about how you want us to live? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our house, our kids have always loved the game where daddy comes running after the kids. Uh, usually it goes, and it's the younger kids now, so Anna's kind of at the perfect age. She's my three-year-old. She's kind of at this perfect age where I'll just kind of get down in stance and I'll look at her and she knows what's coming. She'll get this smile on her face. She'll start giggling and she'll run away, and I'll just usually kind of start tromping after her. Boom, with these kind of... She, slow but big steps, and she will run as fast as she can, giggling all the way as far away from me in our living room as she can get, and she'll hide in a corner, and I just kind of keep coming slowly at her, and she loves it all the way until I come and pick her up. She, she loves that part, too. Uh, you know, I wanted all of the kids have love this game, and it's kind of funny to me because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be this big, scary monster, and I'm, I'm coming to get them, but they love it, when Daddy comes to get them. It's just part of the game. that They, they run away, and, and here comes Daddy to come and get them. Well, in the book of Jonah, Jonah really did try to run away from God, and he went further away than just a living room away from God. He tried pretty much to get as far away from God as he could. He said so himself. But one of the things that I love about Jonah is that we see God pursuing Jonah God loved Jonah, and his love for Jonah didn't stop when Jonah said no to him. And praise the Lord that that doesn't happen for us either. God's love doesn't stop for us when we choose a poor path. Last Sunday, we did an introduction to the book of Jonah, and now we're going to walk through it. It's four chapters long, so the next four sermons, well, my next four sermons, are going to be in the book of Jonah. I'm going to take one week off in there, so we've still got... uh, counting today, five Sundays left. For my next four sermons, um, o- over the course of this study, I want you to be reading and rereading the book of Jonah. I gave you this challenge last week. I'll give it again. I want you to read through it at least once every week. And as, when you read through it each time, I want you to either pick out something new that you haven't seen before or, or feel something that struck you in a different way. Uh, it's only 48 verses long, so... Um, you know, this is, it's very doable for us to get to know this little book of the Bible really well over the course of the next month. And I want to challenge you along with me to, to get to know this book. Now, allow me a minute to recap what I said last Sunday. So again, last Sunday I did an, an overview, an introduction to the entire book. And I just want to, in about one minute, recap it all there are three main main characters in the book of Jonah and the first one is Jonah and Jonah is the one who ran from the Lord because the Lord gave him a message to go and preach to Nineveh and Jonah didn't want to do it and we're told why like I said in communion it's probably that Jonah didn't like the idea of these wicked people receiving forgiveness Apparently, Jonah thought they should be punished. Now, one of the interesting things in the book of Jonah is, well, how then should God respond to Jonah when he was wicked? Should, should he get the same punishment that he thought the Ninevites should get? Well, the amazing thing you see in the, book of, the Jonah, book of Jonah is that everybody gets forgiveness. Everybody gets a second chance. Okay, second main character is the people of Nineveh. That was a a city in the northeast of Israel, a wicked city historically, one of the most brutal empires that we've seen. But God loved them and wanted to get his message to them. And that's something that we need to remember as we look at chapter 1. Because chapter 1, the direction actually moves away from Nineveh, but all throughout the whole book of Jonah, God wanted his message to go to Nineveh. So don't forget that. Even though we're going to go west, God is still thinking about the people east in Nineveh. And then our third main character is the Lord. He is gracious and compassionate, and one of the things I love about the book of Jonah is just how far God goes with His grace and His compassion to bring those (coughs) wonderful attributes, to bring them to lost people. So today we're going to look at chapter 1. And eventually from chapter 1 there are two things about the Lord that I want to emphasize But before we get to them, we kind of have to walk through the chapter and and feel a little bit of what's going on there. So that's what I want to do first, is I want to walk through the chapter and eventually we'll head towards these two things about the Lord that I want to show you. So Jonah, chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Okay. So like I mentioned before, Jonah was given this task to go east to Nineveh. He didn't like it, so he tried to go west And his plan in verse 3 was to flee from the Lord. And I love this. I think it's somewhat ironic in the the original Hebrew in which it was written. In verse 3, his plan was to go away from the Lord. And the very first word of verse 4 is the Lord. He couldn't even get one word away from the Lord. It was the Lord in verse 4 who sent a great wind on the sea. Jonah was running, but God was already in the process of bringing him back to himself. But Jonah didn't quite get it yet. In verses 3 through 5, the wording is interesting there, Jonah went down to Joppa, and then the word for boarding a deck implies going down. And then it says he went below deck, and then he lay down, and he fell into a deep sleep. So Jonah wasn't only fleeing from the Lord, he was also going in a downward spiral. And he he thought that he pretty much had gone about as far down as he could go, although we'll see a little bit later he had one more step down that he was going to take. But as Jonah is heading down, the other sailors on the boat are trying to go up to their god. They realize by this point that they're at their wit's end, they can't do anything about it, so they go up to their god. And and the captain of the ship then goes down to Jonah and says, you, get up, call on your god, maybe then we're not going to perish. And then the sailors cast lots to try to figure out who was responsible for this, and the lot fell on Jonah. And my interpretation of Jonah is that this is from God. It actually says in Proverbs 1633 that even though the lot is cast into the lap, it's, its decision is from the Lord. So I think that what we see here is that God is very much in control already. He sent the great wind and he caused the lot to fall onto Jonah. And the theological word for this is sovereignty. It means that God is in control. God is king. There is never anything that any of us could ever do to make God stop being king. I think that a lot of times we don't recognize that he is king. A lot of times we try to pretend that we are the king or the queen of our own lives. But our lives go best when we recognize that God is sovereign and not us. So when the lot fell on Jonah, the sailors asked him some questions and Jonah responded in verse 9 by saying, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Now, the word worship here is really fear. He said that he fears the Lord. And it's a little bit ironic, this guy who's saying that he worships and fears and follows God is now running away from God. It's not exactly what we're supposed to do as we worship him. But when the sailors heard that Jonah was a follower of the God who made not only the heavens and not only the land, but also the sea, they were terrified. And, and it's, you can see it kind of starting to click in their minds like, oh yeah, the God who made the sea is the one who sent this storm on the sea. And it says in the NIV they were terrified, but literally it says that they feared with a great fear. So Jonah kind of feared the Lord. The sailors feared with a great fear and we'll see that again from the sailors so then the sailors asked Jonah what they could do to make the sea calm and he came up with this idea said throw me in, it's my fault uh, throw me in and it'll become calm now at this point I have a question it's not a question that the Bible addresses, it's just a question that I have why didn't Jonah repent? he had already told the sailors what he had done wrong, he had already confessed his sin to them why didn't Jonah just go up to God and say God I'm sorry I've been running from you I'll now do what you asked me to do. Why didn't he do that? And and the Bible doesn't tell us why. Although I'd like to take a look at us for a moment, and I'd just like to, to say one thing that I have learned about being a human over the last 37 years, is that our vision often gets clouded by our sin. That oftentimes we get ourselves in a situation that we shouldn't be in by our sin, and all too often we try to fix it. How'd that go for Jonah? Not real well. God is gracious and compassionate. We sung about that today. I read some scripture. It appears again in chapter 4 2 in Jonah, which I think is the, the key verse in this book. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Our best solution is to come to Him in repentance when we recognize that we have sinned. Don't continue in your sin, don't try to fix it yourself go to God who loves to forgive so let me just stop and ask a very pointed question right now is there anything you need to repent of right now is there any sin that you've just been kind of following along with for a while now is there anything that God told you to go this way and you have very intentionally gone the other way Or is there something that God has told you not to do, but you just keep finding yourself doing that very thing? If so, repent. That's our best solution. Tell God your sin, because God loves to forgive. He already knows about it. That's that's the ironic thing to me. It's sad to me to think of how often I have injured myself by continuing in sin, maybe because I'm embarrassed to go to God or whatever it is, Let's just go to him. He already knows about it and he loves to forgive. Now in Jonah's case, he continued his journey downward and like I said, he had one more step to go as the sailors threw him into the sea upon his own request. The sailors didn't want to do that at first. They tried to row as as hard as they could back to land, but they couldn't do it and they finally became convinced that their only hope was to do it God's way. So they threw Jonah overboard and wouldn't you know it, the sea grew calm. And it's, it's interesting that these pagan sailors saw God's hand in this. I think even before Jonah had his turnaround, these pagan sailors saw that all of this was from God. Um, I love verse 16. It says, "At this the men, the sailors, greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. They were so taken by this God who created the sea and the land and the heavens that they worshipped him. They made vows to him. They sacrificed him. (coughs) The sailors were rescued. What about Jonah? Well, here's the famous part of the Jonah story. It's the big fish, right? Okay, This is the part of the story of Jonah that everybody knows. This is the part of the story of Jonah that causes some people to question, did that really happen? And I addressed that last week, and I just want to very quickly uh, recap just a little bit of what I said last week. To me, the key question about this, do we we believe what's written in the book of Jonah, has to do with God himself. And the question is, do we believe in a God who could create such a sea creature that could keep alive a human, swallow and keep alive a human for three days? Do we believe in a God who could do that? And, And my answer to that question is very simple by saying that's actually a really small miracle compared to the huge miracle of creation. When we think about the earth and the galaxy and the universe all these wonderful amazing things that God created So, uh, to me the answer is simple, of course God could create a fish like that and, and by the way the word for fish uh, the Hebrews didn't, we don't know of any Hebrew word for whale we don't, we don't know exactly what kind of a thing they were describing, it could have been a special thing that God created just for that one moment in time we don't know Uh, but what we do know is that God can do that sort of a thing if he wants to so do we believe in that kind of God do we believe in a God who raises from the dead do we believe in a God who brings death from life of course if you don't what are you trusting in we're all going to die sometime anyways might as well believe in a God who can conquer death and that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross he conquered death I believe in him I hope you do too. Um, There are some stories floating around out there about other humans that this has, has happened to. One of those stories some of you may have heard in 1891 there was a guy named James Bartley. He was supposedly swallowed by a whale and lived through it. There's another guy I think it said that he was swallowed by some kind of big shark and lived through it but when he came out his skin was all discolored. So those stories are out there. I don't know if those stories are true. It could be that they're true. It could be that they're just uh, fish stories. <laughs> um, but to me, the key question is, do we believe that God can do it? And I say yes. And one of the other reasons I say yes is because Jesus, in the New Testament, talked about the fish. And he talked about the fish as if it really happened. He, in Matthew 12, Uh, there's two other places as well. He talked about how just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so Jesus would be three days and three (coughs) nights in the grave. In in the heart of the earth, I think is what it says. So if Jesus believed that story, that's good enough for me. I believe too. And it's interesting how many parts of the book of Jonah we see again surfacing in the life of Jesus. Jonah uh, was in a storm at sea and, and God calmed the sea. Uh, Jesus calmed the sea later. Jonah and the fish, three days and three nights. Jesus, dead. Spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then also, the book of Jonah is about God's message going to wicked people. Does that remind you of what Jesus did? Bringing the gospel message to wicked people like you and me? So I think that Jonah is a snapshot of what God has wanted to do in this world for a long time. In chapter 1, we see Jonah running from the Lord, and in that sense, this is a story of disobedience. And from that angle, look how badly Jonah injured himself and others by his sin. That's what happens when we sin, by the way. We injure ourselves and we injure others. There's nothing good that comes out of our sin. And Jonah, in his disobedience, caused a lot of pain for a lot of people. Add to the fact that it's foolish to run from God because there's nowhere you could go, And what we see in chapter 1 is pretty disturbing. Jonah was disobedient. But praise the Lord, that is not the end of the story. Remember, what I want to do today is I want to show you two things about the Lord from this chapter, and I want to head towards that first one now. Let's look at it from the angle of Jonah running from God. Sometimes we run from God, too. Have you ever been there? Are you there right now? Sometimes we intentionally go the exact opposite direction that God wants us to go. Sometimes maybe it's unintentional, though. Sometimes, and I I find this, it's all too easy for us to just kind of forget about God. Maybe we're really busy, we have a lot of things on our mind and we just start doing our own thing. Or maybe we just forget to meet with God. And the end result is that each day we just get a little bit farther away from God until it comes to the point where we feel like I'm not close to Him at all. So whether you're running from him or just kind of ignoring him, the fact is that we all kind of pick our own path sometimes. We injure ourselves when we do that. How should God respond? With punishment? Well, with Jonah, God responded by bringing him back. Jonah didn't even yet ask to come back to God. That's one of the great things about Jonah. His repentance doesn't come until chapter 2. But before that, God rescued Jonah and brought him back. So I want to remind you that God loves you, even if you have turned your back on him and have run away. Even if you have ignored God for far too long. Even if... you're you're a Christian, but you find yourself sometimes going in the wrong direction, I want you to know that God loves you and wants you back. That's grace and compassion. That's who our God is. He loves you. So you see, the book of Jonah is about the God who loves people so much that he goes to great lengths to bring them to himself. That's That's the message we see. And think about that in regard to Jonah. Jonah was disobedient, but God loved him and rescued him and brought him through this process of showing Jonah who God really is. You see, God was in charge of the storm. God was in charge of the fish. God was in charge of everything. And those things were mercy on Jonah to bring Jonah back. One theologian said that chapter 1 is about the Lord's enduring love and salvation and he talked about God's tenacious commitment. That's the phrase he used. A tenacious commitment to be in a relationship with us. That's God. Sometimes we get this picture of God you know, sitting up in heaven, twiddling his thumbs until we seek it. No. God is the one who sent Jesus to seek and to save the lost because he loves us and he wants us to be with him. I think we see that in the Jonah story. We see God's grace and compassion on Jonah. Think about your story. What has God done for you? Think about the the things that God has orchestrated in your life to bring you to Him. I'm amazed when I think about my story because I, I don't remember putting hardly any effort into seeking God before He pounded on the door of my heart. I, I can't honestly look back at my life and say, oh, I was just so desperate to know God that I went to whatever lengths necessary to... I can't say that, truthfully. God came and pounded on the door of my heart because He loved me. He loves you too. And if you're here today, it is because God is still in love with you and wants you to hear His message for you about grace and compassion, about a relationship with Jesus, about eternal life. He wants you to live in those things. In the book of Jonah, God eventually got his way. Jonah was running, but God got him back. Now sometimes, God lets people drift and drift and drift. Sometimes their decisions are such that they just keep going away and sometimes God lets that happen. But I think what we can clearly see from the Jonah story is that God is in charge. God is sovereign. And he loves us and wants us to come back to him. We are never beyond God's reach. Jonah tried to get away. Didn't work. So I, I just want to remind you of those things, so, such as to say, let's seek God. If you've been running away from him, please just turn around and know that God loves you so much that he wants you back. And for those of you that are walking closely with God right now, let's just continue on that path because that's our best life, the life where we follow God. Now, we all sin. We've all tried to come up with our own path. Some of you might still be eagerly walking on that path. And for all of us, by our sin, we placed ourselves in a position where we couldn't save ourselves. And I I often like to describe our sin predicament as being one where we were drowning in sin. So you think about Jonah in a violent storm getting tossed overboard. He was about to drown. There was nothing he could do to save himself. And that's us in our sin. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. But God rescued Jonah, and God rescues us through Jesus Christ that we might be forgiven of our sins and cleansed from all unrighteousness. So that's the first thing I want to emphasize about the Lord today, is that the Lord loves to save. He loves to save. He is a God of compassion. He saved Jonah even when Jonah was rebelling. He comes after us even when we're going our own way. God's love is at the heart of this how else could we understand the fact that he sent his son why would God send his son to die for us unless he loved us we, we have to make sense of what happened in this world and one of the things we have to know is that it was God's love that sent Jesus it was the love of Jesus himself too that, that he came willingly for us that's why Jesus came He loves us, and He wants us to have salvation. He wants us to give our lives to Him, to know Him as Savior and Lord, to know that we were created to be in a relationship with Him, where we surrender to Him, where we give our lives to Him. God is like that Daddy that has been pursuing us our whole lives, and wants us to come to Him. So God cares about sinners and rebels and wicked people. In fact, one of the things I love about the book of Jonah is that everybody in the book of Jonah ends up getting saved. Jonah did. The, the wicked Ninevites do in chapter three. And even the pagan sailors in chapter one. And let's look at those pagan sailors for a little bit here. They knew that they were up against a supernatural force. They, they went to their gods. that didn't work. And when they heard this very brief description from Jonah that, that God made the sea and the land and the heavens, they, they came to know God. And it's ironic that Jonah, the unreluctant prophet, led these people to God you know, in his rebellion. A very brief description of God from Jonah helped these sailors come to faith in the one true God. So the Lord loves to save even pagan sailors. The Lord loves to save even wicked Ninevites. How did he do it? Well, both times, it was Jonah's words. And, and there's, um, there's hope for us here. The salvation of other people does not depend on how good our message is, uh, how, on how well we say it. The salvation of others depends on God, but God wants us to proclaim the message. You know why God wants us to proclaim the message? Because He wants all people to be saved. Scripture says in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men, all people, to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants all to be saved. And what's His plan? To use people like Jonah and you and me to proclaim the message. God could have done things differently. But here's the thing. God likes to use us in the process. So that's the second thing I want to emphasize about the Lord today, is that the Lord wants to use us in the process of others coming to know him. I said earlier that we shouldn't forget about the Ninevites in chapter 1, because all along, all through this story of the storm and the sea and the ship and the fish, all through that is the God who wanted his message to go to Nineveh. I think God wanted to save Jonah. I think God wanted to save the sailors, but I also think God was thinking about the people of Nineveh. He wanted his message to go there. Now eventually, Jonah did preach to the Ninevites. Um, But it's interesting to me. God's ways are so much better than our ways. And and if it were me, and if I sent Jonah and he said, no way, I'm not going to go, I'm going to go this way, I would have been like, Jonah, I'm done with you. I'm going to find somebody else to do it. And, and couldn't have God like, sent an angel? Okay, it didn't, I asked the human, and he didn't do it. It didn't work. I'm just going to ask an angel. I know the angels obey me. I'll send one of them to Nineveh to preach. And don't you think that the people of Nineveh might have responded better to an angel than to a mere human being from one of their enemy countries? In the wisdom of God, he likes to use us. It, it is a humbling thing. Sometimes I wish God would send miracles or clear signs to people, but you know what? You know what God wants to send? His children. God loves to use us in the process of others coming to know Him. I think that's one of the things that we have to see from the book of Jonah. God wanted the Ninevites to be saved, but He also wanted Jonah to be part of it. He wants us to be part of this. So he gives us the gospel message so that we can be saved. But I like to say it this way, if the gospel is good news for you, then it's good news for others too. So let's proclaim this message of the gospel to other people. We are supposed to be a blessing to the people of this earth. Uh, One of the most important, if not, I I called it the most important passage in the Old Testament is Genesis 12, where God called Abraham to himself, and God said to him that he would bless Abraham, and that Abraham was to be a blessing to the nations. And in the New Testament, we see that we get in on those blessings of Abraham, so we receive blessings from God, but we're also to be a blessing to the people of this earth. We bless them as we proclaim to them God's message. And and you know what? That is a blessing for us. Because let me say it this way, I I know, maybe as well as any of you, that the idea of sharing the Gospel with other people can feel like a burden and not a blessing. I know that very well. But what I've come to realize is that it really is a blessing. Let Let me prove this to you. Are any of you in here glad that the Gospel message came to you? Yes? Okay, good. Um, would any of you be encouraged to see other people come to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord too? Would any of you be encouraged to be part of that process? See, that would be a blessing. It would be a blessing for you to have people around you that would say 10 years from now, you know, I was, a, I was on the wrong path, but my friend here told me the gospel and I, I received Christ. Wouldn't that be a blessing? That's the kind of blessing that God wants us to be in this earth. He wants all people to be saved and he wants to use us in the process. So let's be people who carry this message to others. So like I did last Sunday, I want to give you a challenge. It's the challenge I'm going to give you throughout this Jonah series. The challenge is that you would share the gospel with someone or invite somebody to church this month as we're walking through this Jonah series. Share the gospel with someone or invite someone to come to church with you. And think of it this way. God loves you so much that he sent someone into your life and now it's our turn. Now we are to be those people who go to others with the life-changing news of the gospel message. Now, I understand that that can be terrifying I understand that like Jonah, you may want to run from that task. But remember, the Lord loves to save and he loves to use us in the process. So let's give ourselves to him. Let's tell him, even right now in your heart, say, God, you can use me. God, if there are lost people out there that you want me to talk to, I will go. And if every one of us said that, imagine what God could do. And again, it's amazing. I, I think, you know, couldn't God just, you know, send down neon signs to everybody in Fergus Falls? He could. But he likes to use us. So let's go and be a blessing to the nations. And it starts with prayer, by the way. If you're nervous about this, or even if you're not nervous, it starts with prayer. Just say, God, here, here I am. You can use me. God, give me the words to say. God, draw those people to Jesus. Use me in the process. And remember, as we go through this, it's not just your job. This is God's work, and he will strengthen you for it. Okay, I just want to conclude my sermon now by reminding you that God has the best plan for our lives. Sometimes we run. Sometimes we don't maybe like what God is doing. Sometimes we forget God. Sometimes we go our own path. But God wants us to be with him. He saves us because he has a better path for us. The path that we would choose is not the best path for our lives. The best path is the one that God has for us. So let's submit to him. Give ourselves to him. Jonah tried to make his own path, but God stopped him. In his mercy, God stopped him. I can't imagine what life would have been like in Tarshish for Jonah. It would have been horrible there for him to know that he was running from God and living in wickedness and rebellion. God had mercy and brought him to the place where he wanted him to be. In the fish, Jonah had time to think about that, and we'll see that next Sunday. But let's remember, before God has to send a fish to swallow us, that his path is better than ours. God loves us so much that he goes to great lengths to save us and that message isn't just for us it's for others too so let's join with God in giving this message to others. Would you pray with me? God thank you that you loved us so much that you rescued us even when we were in rebellion and God if there are any here who may still be on that path of rebellion we just want to come before you now and say God forgive me I give my life to you. I give my life to Jesus to go your way, to follow you. And God, may we all remember that our life is best when we follow you. And God, may we also remember that as we follow you, that you would have us proclaim your gospel message to others. So help us to do that. God, we give of ourselves to you for that. We pray that you would open the doors and that you would give us the words to say to make the most of every opportunity. God, we pray that lost people would come to know you even over the course of this sermon series as we join with you in your work of sharing your love with lost people. But again, God, thank you that you brought that message to us. Thank you for Jesus who died for us. God, we give our lives to you to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All um. right.